SCP-7243 Existential Abatement Part 3 In most articles in the SCP universe, the Foundation has survived for many years and continues to survive thanks to their prudence. The Foundation is typically risk-averse, generally choosing to simply contain things as much as possible, research what they can, and work steadily to ensure the safety of both their organization and the rest of the world. The Admonition series of articles provides us a very different picture, of an iteration of the Foundation where they're not as adverse to taking some big risks to solve some of their big problems, essentially existing as an example of why most Foundations function the way that they do. In SCP-7243, we've seen this Foundation's attempt at solving their waste crisis, with a plan that frankly seemed doomed to fail from the start due to messing with time. Let's finally see how it all ends up though, and whether or not this iteration of the Foundation simply implodes from sheer hubris. When we last left off, Amelia had returned from Site-43 after it was tossed outside of Consensus Reality for a number of years. She still seemed to be in her right mind despite all that had occurred. But because SCP-7243 had been continually used to deal with anomalous waste during that time, it came back to reality with quite the explosion. This explosion was somewhat contained by the Foundation, merely managing to wipe out all of Site-43 and the surrounding area, but as it turns out, most of that energy actually wasn't used up in the explosion. Most of it went into other dimensions and timelines so we're now informed that numerous central normalcy authorities throughout the coalitional time plane have reported the manifestation of new adverse anomalous phenomena that came out of nowhere after the event. We're provided a curated selection of some of these phenomena from the Oracle Collective. In one dimension, a mass of unabated conceptual matter appeared within the corpse of a large-scale aggressor which was currently undergoing abatement procedures at Area 16. Combining with other substances, the mass metastasized within the corpse and instantiated what the Foundation there called a Conceptuo Kaiju Resident in the Logosphere. This entity promptly colonized the realms of speech and cognition, preying and feeding on human mindfulness and assaulting linguistic structures and higher grammatical forms. Plans are currently underway for a counter-conceptual linguistic device, a mecha verb, to combat it, codenamed Red Pen. In another dimension, some Theovlavic material is deposited into the core of the sun, but the Oracle Collective can't determine this event's correlation to the following alterations to the sun because of the loss of diplomatic relations due to irreconcilable, transhumanistic change. In another dimension, a 7 meter long recursive pipe array, the Mobius Stripper Temporal Matter Reduction System, vanishes from the interior of Acroamatic Abatement Facility AAF-D. Unfortunately, this timeline is determined to be the prime timeline and afterwards, temporally variable conduits are formed between the timeline where the 7243 event occurred and a multitude of other timelines and adjacent reality spaces. 
these conduits are further reported to facilitate the unwelcome interdimensional transference of various anomalous phenomena, particularly during emergent scenarios, adding an additional layer of chaos and unpredictability to those scenarios' results. Research conducted by the Prime Timeline's Department of History appears to suggest a direct correlation between these conduits' effects and evidence of a chain of historical ZK-class reality failures, the last of which occurred in 1500 CE. Further cross-temporal analysis has been deferred to the O9 Collective, per the importance of the Prime Timeline in Meta-Foundation Affairs. Later, the O9 Collective has concluded that the ZK-class phenomena constitute an ascension of a Tier IV cosmological anomaly which threatens to fully manifest upon the authoritative Prime Timeline and all its descendant branches. In another iteration, ontologically dark-shifted material is deposited within abatement facility AAF-D at Watchtower 43, in equal proportion to the materials already present. The materials annihilated each other in a controlled fusion explosion, which vents through the multiversal conduits dissipating in the atmosphere, and resulting only in equipment fatigue within the facility. Early estimates suggest an incremental increase in global climate change across all affected timelines, alongside associated para-oncological effects. The last incident mentioned involved an instance of SCP Foundation Research Site 107 suddenly appearing, which was the only Foundation presence in this timeline. Admission to the Meta Foundation is pending based on first contact. It's been confirmed by the Collective that this log was received and viewed by several of the relevant Authority's Overseer personnel, but for reasons unclear, the Authority had made no attempt to communicate to the Collective, nor to any impacted timeline, nor to ameliorate said impacts. An audit is pending. The real kicker of all this, however, is that based on the incident numbers of the ones we were provided, this event has impacted hundreds of thousands of different dimensions and timelines. Amelia, after suitably recovering from her ordeal, proceeded to write a thesis paper on what she went through, titled Plunged, or The Last 72 Months of Site 43. It was submitted to the Faculty of Esoteric Reduction in May of 2044 to fulfill the requirements of the degree Doctor of Esoterica, and she gives special thanks to her supervisory committee, Dr. Reinders, whose fault this wasn't, and Dr. Deering. She also dedicates the paper to Phil. We're not given the whole paper, just the start of the abstract, which states that on September 8th, 2036, Treatment Site 43 was excised from Consensus Reality, and on September 8, 2043, it returned. Over the course of those seven years, temporally restricted to 72 months within that pocket of unreality, with no oversight, assistance, sustenance, or sleep, the majority of the Foundation's achromatic abatement procedures were carried out by one person. Chief Amelia Tarosian Deering of Janitorial and Maintenance, with this being her testimony. Reinders writes her a note about it, saying that she would have entitled the paper The Woman in the Annihilator, but tells her congratulations on becoming a doctor. 
After Amelia recovered, Deering engaged in email correspondence with the Pilkrow-Minkowski Center on a daily basis, developing a radical new esoteric reduction device and constructing it at Treatment Area 21 with Amelia's engineering expertise. We're given some of the correspondences, although the messages from the PM Center have been lost due to mishandling of data transfer to research station Nemesine, detailed in SCP-6183, Black Box. Deering writes that it has to be foolproof, as the last one failed because fools tampered with it. Human error cannot be a factor, or if it is, its influence needs to be isolated to things that can't destabilize our reality. If their solution threatens the stability of their own conceptual space, it's no better than the problem. The PM Center replied that the phrasing Deering used of our own conceptual space is key, and they have a solution. When Deering tells them to spell it out for him, he afterwards replies that Amelia will never go along with that plan. The PM Center mentions something about pocket dimensions, and Deering replies that after mulling it over, he thinks they're right. That's the obvious lesson to learn from what happened, as they've essentially been handed a model and shown that it actually works. The engineering will be functionally identical, which is important, as he won't do this without Amelia's help. He can sell her on pocket dimensions, but not the other thing, which is just between them for now. He's not going to look her in the eye and tell her that he took another shortcut. Later, the PM Center tells him that they cannot yet approve his penultimate request without some context, but he replies that he has no intention of explaining what it means. That's what they're going to name the device, and they can give the project some fanciful name if it makes them feel better. With that, we're given the file for this mysterious project, which was given the fanciful name of Project Anaximander, presumably named after the Greek philosopher. A quarterly report for the project, written by Deering, states that it continues to be an unqualified success, as they have transmitted six packets of esoteric effluence to their final destinations via Magic Drawer. This is apparently the device that Deering was talking about previously, although it's noted that details regarding this device are released on a need-to-know basis. All monitoring efforts suggest that the packets of waste were properly abated at their destinations to a high degree of efficiency. 0511 confirms the absence of any notable backlash effects, and the project will continue as planned through the next quarter at least. Precautions have been taken to ensure that the incident with SCP-7243 cannot occur again, and Area 21 has received multiple requests from other Foundation facilities to implement limited local magic drawer devices at key points in the global logistics network. Due to the nature of magic drawer, however, and the high degree of technical ability required to operate and maintain it, these requests have been denied. They acknowledge that this solution does not provide the same expansive and proactive coverage of 7243, forcing small-scale abatement processes to continue, and to that end, they have chosen to pursue a collaborative rather than unilateral approach. 
We're not given the rest of the quarterly report, and are instead given a note about the Esoteric Reduction Gala, which was reinstated in recognition of the incredible strides forward made by the Department of Esoteric Reduction under Project Anaximander. Highlights of this event included a retirement address, a tribute to the lost personnel of Treatment Site 43, several lectures on acroamatic abatement, and the wedding reception for the guests of honor, Drs. Amelia Tarosian Deering and Dougal Deering. That is perhaps the most surprising event mentioned in the article so far. We're then given another one of the undated, unnamed notes, which says that they've stopped even trying to guess what waste is. They hardly even think about it anymore, even in the most absolute abstract. Out of sight, out of mind, where once it was out of mind, out of sight. You tell me this way is better, but you don't tell me everything, not even now. Next, we see a list for the Magic Drawer Packet Delivery Log for the year to date, with it confirming that a number of waste packets have been delivered to various other dimensions or timelines. The most recent one, however, is listed as Packet Pending, with the target destination being curiously the same timeline that these events have been occurring in. Obviously, that shouldn't be happening, so an emergency meeting is brought together between Deering, Amelia, and Reinders. Reinders tells Amelia that Magic Drawer is targeting them for delivery, which Deering says is impossible, and Amelia wonders if it's sabotage of some sort. Deering agrees that that must be it, as they can't be next in line after only six deployments. Amelia says that there must be safeguards for this kind of thing, and asks how it can even target a coherent timeline, as it was designed to dump into pocket dimensions. She then realizes that Deering didn't tell her everything about the project, and he begins to explain. For an explanation, we're provided the initial proposal file for the project, submitted by Deering. The purpose of the project is listed as permanently, robustly, and sustainably eliminating the deleterious effects of redundant esoteric waste substances on consensus reality, at sufficient scale to compensate for the indefinite exponential growth of contained subjects and their byproducts. Typical mechanisms of esoteric reduction, such as used in acroamatic abatement, are dependent on the detoxifying properties of an anomalously stable copper isotope occurring naturally within the waters of Lake Huron, which has been infeasible to artificially reproduce. As the quantity and volatility of anomalous waste have been increasing, this method has become less and less effective, and can't be replicated at sufficient scale without using up all of Lake Huron's water. An alternative method of esoteric reduction, known as existential abatement, has been proposed and implemented by the PM Center, and was found to be over-engineered and profoundly unstable. This was SCP-7243, which failed, partly due to being prematurely deactivated, which left it vulnerable to commandeerment by rogue AI agents. This resulted in the loss of Site-43, its personnel, its infrastructure and contributions, its contained subjects, and the nation of Japan, 
as well as the sudden and global resurgence of the esoteric waste substances crisis, multiple breaches of baseline realities ontokinetic and chronological integrity, and a cascading hazardous materials breach of multiversal proportion. The Department of Esoteric Reduction fundamentally rejects the pursuit of any such experimental solution, and has worked closely with the PM Center to develop a well-tested, robust, rigorous methodology which will ensure the stable ejection of esoteric waste substances from consensus reality. The method utilized by the project then doesn't involve erasing or detoxifying the anomalous waste, or trying to remove them from consensus reality but instead ejecting them into parallel universes. This process must be executed such that the impact on recipient timelines is minimal and undetected, as the recipient's foundations, or their analogs, might otherwise become hostile to them. To achieve this, ejected substances should be evenly distributed across a wide range of timelines in small concentrated quantities and they should be delivered to precise locations and times wherein their esoteric properties will be swiftly abated by local forces. The feasibility of this approach is attested by the EE-001 event, which now stands as this project's initial test case, and controlled and targeted dispersal can only excel these results. To accomplish this, the Department of Esoteric Reduction proposes the creation of an industrial Eigen machine, stationed at Area 21. This would compress esoteric waste that has been sorted by attributes and properties into concentrated packets. An extra-universal imaging mechanism, designed by the PM Center in conjunction with Placeholder McDoctorate, will generate a time-plane curve map, describing all timelines which possess an iteration of Site-43, or a suitable equivalent. Every 72 days, for each waste packet, the next sequential timeline in the timeplane curve map will be identified and targeted, hard-coded to avoid human error, and is subject to a ratchet system which cannot be countermanded, as the intense thomic backscatter produced by each packet deployment must be evenly distributed along the timeplane's heat arc to avoid a potentially meta-apocalyptic imbalance. A temporary trans-dimensional way, or portal, will be initialized, linking Area 21 to the appropriate section of the selected timeline's abatement facilities, at the time of minimal projected impact. The waste packet will then be ejected from consensus reality through this portal, whereupon it will be abated in the recipient timeline. The portal will then close, and the system will ratchet forward along the timeplane map in anticipation of the next deployment. So basically, the Foundation is compressing their anomalous crap and sending it to a bunch of other Foundations without them knowing, dropping them into their abatement facilities to get handled. It's kind of a scummy thing to do, and obviously is going to have some repercussions down the line. After explaining how Magic Drawer really works to Amelia, she's in disbelief that he lied to her. He says that they ran a month of simulations on dumping waste into pocket dimensions, with the consensus being that it would almost certainly collapse the destinations, leading to a rubber band situation like with 7243. He says that it's just a detail, not even a major one, 
and it's just like dumping into pocket dimensions in every respect except for ontological strength factor. Reinders says that she wanted to tell her, and so did Deering, but he knew that she would never go along with it. She says that he didn't really need her help, but he disagrees, saying that he needed her on his side so he could make this possible. She shoves him away and says that he wanted her to think that he had found a permanent solution like he promised, and calls him a sad sack of shit. She then laughs and holds her head in her hands, before saying that she needs more information about where exactly they're sending all of these packets of waste. Deering says that it's always to Site 43, but Amelia replies that they don't have a Site 43, leading them to explain that they've been sending things back in time as well. She asks when into their past is this packet going, and Deering checks the terminal, nearly collapsing at what he finds there. He says that they're not doing this, to which Reinder says that it's already been done, as the past is a pact. They need to send something anomalous through the aperture, and they need to do it soon, as they can't destabilize the cosmos for this. Amelia is confused as to what's going on, and Deering just says that he won't do it, he didn't do it, and it wasn't him. Amelia convenes the primary operational staff of Area 21 to review the data from Magic Drawer, determining that its data is correct. It's preparing to transport esoteric effluence to Acromatic Abatement Facility AAF-D on September 8th, 2028, the day that Phil Deering died. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The executive staff reconvene. And Amelia says that this isn't a problem, it's an opportunity, as they can just send something innocuous back. Something that's enough to get the job done, but not enough to kill him. They just discovered that Phil was never meant to die, and since they caused it, they can uncause it. They can fix the whole thing, and all they have to do is whiff the next shot. Deering replies that she's saying that he caused it and Reinders tells her that these versions of themselves and everything they've done are the products of Phil's death. They can't create a toxic uber paradox to save one human life. Amelia, however, says that they're meant to fix this, as it's an indescribably unlikely coincidence that they'd end up targeting themselves. Reinders replies that every target is indescribably unlikely, particularly from the perspective of each. Deering agrees, saying that there's just no way they're the next recipient on blind luck, as it would be the single greatest probabilistic outlier ever recorded. It's infinitely more likely that something went wrong with the machine, and it failed to model the time plane curve correctly. Theoretically, they should be the end of the arc. Amelia just remarks that these are more mistakes, to which Deering immediately assumes she's blaming him saying that Placeholder was the one who did all of the calculations. Reinders says that she's been trying to reach him, but he's gone silent again, 
They only have a little over two hours before they have to make a decision, although Reinder says that there's nothing to debate. Amelia says that they can save Phil, as they work miracles every day, and if they burned the brain cells in this room, they could power Toronto for a lifetime. She crawled her way out of hell for this chance, to do right by someone she loves. Deering says that maybe it is possible, but Reinders is resolute that it isn't. Amelia shouts that they can do this, they can start over, and that she needs her husband back. The three go silent before Amelia apologizes to Dougal, and he says that it's okay because he knew, of course. Reinders interrupts the moment by saying that she can't spare them the time as they're out of time to waste. Amelia finally hesitates and says that they need to let him go, but Deering says that she needs to let him go while he needs to take responsibility. Deering then calls a recess to allow for the Historioglyphics Division to compare the next packet with the reported contents of AAF-D on September 8th, 2028. Amelia and Reinders are later engaged in conversation within Amelia's office when they are alerted to the power-up of Magic Drawer by a momentary power fluctuation. They return to the control room to find Deering missing, instead finding him within the maintenance access corridor to the device's delivery aperture. Amelia rushes to the outer door, finding it locked, while Reinders remains in the control room. Amelia hammers on the door and shouts at Deering to ask what he's doing, seeing him through the porthole standing in the empty aperture, clenching and unclenching his hands. She says that he's standing next to the loading chamber, and it's not going to fire until he closes the inner door, as she tries to open the outer door, but her access code is denied. She continues pounding on the door as she shouts at him, but she gets no response. Reinders tells her over the intercom that he's overriding the safeties, causing her to pound on the porthole, bloodying herself in the process, and continuing to shout at him. The overhead lights then flicker, and a persistent hum is heard as Magic Drawer prepares to deliver its packet. Amelia tells him to stop and talk to her, or else she'll shut the entire system down. Reinders tells her that she can't do that, and Deering finally turns and also tells her that she can't do that. She says that she can, to which Deering replies that they know that she can, but it's the wrong move. He's sorry, and he thought this would be easier if the two of them didn't talk again. She says that he always wants to do things the easy way, and he replies that he's making up for it now. From where she's standing, though, it looks like he's about to give up and leave them the mess he's made. He tells her that he knows what killed Phil, because he killed Phil, and this is how he did it. The thing that coiled around Phil did so for a reason, and it ignored him. It solved the problem, and that's why he's the only one who could see it, because it was him. He's the loop. This packet is 100% paraspectral, and it's the extra material that showed up after Phil flushed AAF-D, the stuff that nobody could account for. It's the source of the thing that took his life, and that thing behaved with purpose. Amelia tries to argue that that doesn't mean that he has to go through, but he says that it does. The loop is stable, so long as they get this next part right, 
Otherwise, there will be a paradox. Phil's death set all of this in motion, and it's cross-multiversal now, so Phil has to die again. He always has to die, and it has to be a sure thing. That means that they need control at the moment of crisis, something with agency, which isn't just a shot of ectoplasm. Amelia asks what makes him think he won't just melt into nothing when the packet pours onto him, and Deering supposes that he will. But he knows that that won't be the end of it, because he saw himself. He saw himself draw in the extra energy, take fill, and then pass back into the pipes. Amelia asks why it has to be him, to which he just says that he's his brother, and this time he's going to show up for him. Amelia then argues that this doesn't make any sense, and they're not thinking rationally. Why would this be the loop, him turning himself into something that would kill his own brother? Deering explains that without him involved, the packet would have just killed Phil instead, and then it would have blown the entire facility sky high. As far as anyone would know then, it was all Phil's fault, but instead, something sucked up the effluence in the air and then took him. Deering then realizes that he remembers thinking that Phil hadn't felt it and hadn't suffered. Maybe it gave him that, and then it saved the sight, giving Dougal the chance to turn the valve and start his penance before disappearing into the system. He then laughs and says that he bets that it was still in the system back in 2043, to which Amelia says that she saw it. It leaked down into the engine from AAF-D and tried to kill her as well on her last run through the cycle. Deering remarks that that doesn't make any sense, since she couldn't see it in the video of Phil's death. She replied that she could see it in person, though, when the chronology anchor started to work. When Site-43 rolled back to reality, it must have been caught in the throes, and it appeared, reaching out for her. Deering says that it was running in circles for 15 years, trapped in the pipes, waiting for her to bring him back to life so that he could help her to survive. Amelia remarks that he didn't help her to survive, and laughs, saying that she should have known it was him. She then asks again why this is the loop, though, because Phil only died because he did this, and if he had not died, Dougal would never have decided to do this, so the logic doesn't work. Deering just shrugs, saying that it happened, so it does work, because the universe requires it to. It's a bootstrap paradox, and the materials involved were ambi-chronological, with time flowing both ways. Or maybe that's looking too deep, and he and Phil are just predestined to part. Amelia places her hand on the porthole, and Deering moves to match the gesture before pulling back. She tells him that that's not enough, and it's not universal perversity. It needs to mean something more. He did all of this for him. They both did. But he tells her that she's half wrong, as he never did any of it for him. Amelia says what about her, telling him to let her do it, as that's the better solution. Deering says no, causing her to call him selfish, but he says that it's the least selfish part of this, Maybe the only part that isn't. Sure, he's taking the easy way out, 
but that's who he is, and that's all he's useful for. Maybe he can find a way to do some good in there, and if he can, he'll keep trying. But he's weak, and lazy, and short-sighted, and nothing anyone can count on, as she well knows. So she needs to stay out there, the way she is right now, and keep doing the real work, because that's who she is, and nobody made her that way but her. He then tells her goodbye, before stepping into the loading chamber and pressing a button, closing the inner door. Amelia tells him that she doesn't forgive him, as Magic Drawer activates, and Deering remarks that it's just a trick, recalling the toy that he was bringing to show his brother years ago. The device then compacts and delivers its packet. We're given one last unnamed, undated note, this one simply reading, What is waste? I guess you finally figured it out, Dougal. This marks the end of the compiled documents for this item, as far as the Oracle Collective has gathered together. In their summary, they state that deliberate abuse of authority resources precipitated the enhanced ascension of a Tier 4 cosmological anomaly, in addition to extensive material damages and injection of volatile anomalous phenomena within and beyond the coalitional time plane. Personnel in positions with unfettered access to power, resources, and opportunities for abuse of those are governed by irrationality, individual self-aggrandizement, and interpersonal indulgence. This iteration displays routine ignorance of meta-contractual obligations, making no effort to report to the collective or acknowledge their existence. In their judgment, they deem the iteration to be in major violation of various multi-foundation agreement clauses. Because of this, their central normalcy authority iteration has been ejected from the coalitional timeplane. Any outstanding interdimensional access to the coalitional timeplane has been severed, and their coverage under Goldbaker and Associates is now limited. Their local temporal authority will soon revert to pre-coalitional status, losing any data which would allow their infiltration of the coalitional timeplane, or any feasible recreation of the collective services. Their timeline is subject to the forces of the multiverse, including the variety of catastrophic events perpetrated by their iteration in kind. They implore them to exercise greater caution in their efforts to contain, in balance with their aims to secure and protect. In other words, this iteration has screwed up one too many times and has now been kicked out of the club. Whereas the Collective has bailed them out in the past, fixing up the mistakes of other admonition projects, they won't be doing that again, so they're on their own. We're then given some text messages between Dr. Reinders and Placeholder, with Reinders saying that they did find him, after a fashion. It took Amelia a month to reverse engineer and then adapt the old 7243 referent seeker to pick up his Dommel signature altered state or no, but she did it. He's still out there. Placeholder just responds by saying that he's busy, and asks if there's something she wants. She replies that he was blundering aimlessly around in some idiospheric trash heap in between darting in and out of time and space, looking for something. 
She says that Placeholder knows what he's unleashed already in the process, not that he cares. Placeholder says that she might be surprised, so Rainder says that she's sending him the snapshot that Amelia took, and she hopes that he takes a good, long look. Placeholder asks her what response she's looking for here, such as regret or satisfaction, and says that she knows how it goes. Reinders replies that he left her holding the bag, both of them did, and she wants him to acknowledge that. Placeholder says that he has nothing to give her, not until this is done, but Reinders says that it will never be done, will it? Placeholder ends by saying that she knows how it goes, she plays her part, and he plays his. Reinders then sends him an image, the snapshot that Amelia took, and says that they all fall apart at the finish line. Finally, we have some terminal commands sent by Placeholder, in which he sets up the terminal to wipe his session activity after he shuts it down. He then sends a message to SCP-6276, an extremely intelligent AI that handled encryption for Site-15's database, titled Mastermind, although considering that it was around in 2097, it's not clear how or when Placeholder is interfacing with it. The message that Placeholder sends reads, Operation Last Straw Success. Project Admonition Ready. A reply message is then received from an address at mastermind.net, which simply reads, Initiate Phase 2. Clearly, then, this series is becoming more than just a collection of disparate articles based loosely around a central theme of arrogance and miracle fixes. Placeholder McDoctorate seems to know a lot more about the situation than pretty much anyone else, but he's keeping things pretty close to the vest for now. As a general summary, then, Dougal Deering witnessed an incident where an anomalous phenomenon killed his brother in front of him but no one else but him could see it. Afterwards, spurred on by his brother's wife, he developed a machine capable of erasing anomalous waste before it could even exist, through some temporal shenanigans. This machine failed, partly due to the actions of hostile AI agents let loose by Lotus, which resulted in Amelia being stuck in the site by herself in a temporal loop for a number of years. She finally made it back out, and Deering resolved to make a better system this time, which involved sending the waste to other foundations to deal with instead of into their own past. This too failed when the system targeted their own timeline, something it wasn't supposed to do, with the team realizing that it was going to send waste back to the day that Phil died, completing a temporal loop. This whole scenario began because Phil died that day, so he needed to die from this, otherwise there would be a massive temporal paradox that would basically rip apart the multiverse. Deering realized that they couldn't just send back a pile of anomalous crap and hope for the best, as they had to be sure that it would kill Phil, so he had to go back himself to actively kill his brother and ensure the time loop was completed. In doing so, he himself didn't actually die, but He's now an anomaly himself, floating around through time and space. Amelia managed to lock onto his signature, but who knows if she'll ever be able to do anything about it, 
now losing both Deering brothers in the process. All of the admonition articles are tragic stories, as is their nature, but this one is perhaps the most human of the bunch so far. Phil was an utterly innocent victim that can never be saved, despite all of the messing with time going on here. Dougal finally takes responsibility for everything he's wrought, but ends up in quite an unfortunate state, and Amelia has tried to be the reasonable one throughout all of this, but has really only ended up where she started, but without either of the Deerings. Presumably the new waste management system they've implemented, Magic Drawer, is continuing to function, meaning that this is a rare case of an admonition article in which the miracle cure seems to still be functioning. That being said, we're left with quite the ominous ending regardless, as we don't know what Operation Last Straw entailed, and it's doubtful that much good is going to come from Project Admonition itself. All of these articles have led to the enhanced ascensions of Tier 4 cosmological anomalies, and that's certainly something that's going to come into play before long. We can hope that Placeholder is on the Foundation's side, but there's a lot of foundations, and it's clear that Project Admonition involves a lot more than just one unfortunate timeline. Time will tell, but perhaps one timeline with a penchant for finding miraculous fixes to big problems will ruin things for everyone.